Hi, this is Rabbi Ari Spiegler with the Yisman Kilala Kol podcast. God willing, this Shabbos we will be reading from Parshat Balak, where we learn how Balak, the king of Moab, hires Bil'am, a prophet among uh, the non-Jewish nations, he specifically was from Midian, to go ahead and to curse the Jewish people. We know that in the end, Bil'am will not be successful in his cursing of the Jewish people. All of his curses will actually end up turning into blessings. But the Torah tells us that within one of Bil'am's introductions to an, uh, an attempted curse, he refers to himself as Yodea Dat Elyon, uh, having uh, some sort of elevated knowledge, a Dat Elyon, an elevated knowledge. And the Gemara, this can be found in Masachar Abedazara, Daf Dalet Amabed, it's also found in the Gemara, Masachar Brachon, Daf Zayin Aleph, explains what is this Yodea Dat Elyon, what is this elevated knowledge that Bilam had. So apparently there is a Rega, there is a very small amount of time every single day that Hashem gets angry. And Bilam had this special power where he was able to tap into Hashem's Rega of anger that he expresses each day and use that as a way of cursing or causing destruction toward uh, whoever it is that he would like to attack. And the rega, different uh, commentaries uh, calculate it differently. It's either uh, a little bit over a quarter of a second or maybe even a sixteenth of a second. We're talking about a small, tiny amount of time within which Hashem gets angry every single day. And Bilam was able to find that split second, as short as it was, and harness its great power of destruction in order to cause harm to other people. Now, the Bali Tosvot in both of those Gemaras, in Avodah Zarah and Masech Brachot, asks, uh, you know, what, what, what type of curses could Bilam actually have said in that split second? If you only have, uh, you know, a fraction of a second in order to get a curse in, what could you possibly say that could cause so much destruction? So the Bali Tosvot offer two suggestions. One suggestion is that uh, Bilam had just enough amount, uh, just enough time in that small rega, that small fraction of a second, to say the word kalem, which means destroy them. Right? You don't need, I don't know, we would have to measure how long it takes to say that word, but you need a significant amount of time in order to say that and that was enough because it was said at the right time that he was able to cause great amounts of destruction. However, the Bali Tosot suggest a different answer and they suggest that maybe as long as he started it during that time, he was actually able to extend the window uh, as long as he needed. And in fact, others point out, you can look the Shut Minchat Yitzchak and Chelek Dalid in Shuva Mem Ched, he points this out in the name of uh, the Yarod Tvash that if you look at the blessings that uh, Bilam says, it seems like he was trying to give these very long and elaborate curses, they ended up turning into long and elaborate brachot, long and elaborate blessings. So it seems like th- maybe this is even a preferable answer because uh, clearly he was trying to say something very long-winded, something very intricate, something very involved in order to curse the Jewish people. And like we said, uh, thank goodness those were turned into blessings. But again, it suggests that if he starts it within that small fraction of a second, he would be able to cause destruction by extending it and allowing himself to go uh, into further detail. Now, is any of this relevant? Is any of this practical? Why do we need to know this? Who cares? He was somehow able to be successful. Why are we going into it? So interestingly, the Shechan Aruch in Orachayim, this is in Siman Kuf Yud, uh, the Shechan Aruch there paskins that one could say Tfilat Havineinu, which is an abbreviated form of the Amidav, the Shemona Esrei, one can say this abbreviated Tfilah, Bishat HaDachak, in an extenuating circumstance. The examples he gives are like if a person is traveling, if a person is in a situation where they'll be interrupted, or in a place maybe where they won't be able to have proper Kavanah, they won't be able to have proper focus on their Tfilah, so they could say this shortened Tfilah. Now if you look at the Magen Avraham, 
Avraham. The Magen Avraham says that this is also true regarding a situation where the Zman Tefillah is going to close. We know within that the you know we have requirements to daven three times a day. There are other mitzvot that we have to perform within windows of time. So he says, look, there's a window of time within which Tefillah, uh, let's say Tefillah Ashachar, right? The morning Tefillot need to be said. And if I, for whatever reason, got off to a late start and I'm starting my davening late in the game, I would be able to say this abbreviated uh, tefillah so that I would make sure to finish before that window of time uh, concludes. Now, this implies that even if a person starts within this man tefillah, within the proper window, if they're not going to finish their tefillah, they're not going to finish the Amidah, the Shemona Esrei, by the end of that zman, end of that window, it would be considered a tefillah which was said not bizmana, it was said not within the proper window. And that's why the Magen Avraham advocates for saying Havinenu, this abbreviated tefillah, uh, in such a situation. Very interesting. If you look, however, in the Arach HaShulchan, also in Orachayim in Kufyud, he notes the opinion of the Magin Avraham, but he argues and suggests that perhaps as long as you're starting within the proper window of time, meaning it's the Zman Tefillah HaShachar, it's the window of time within which I need to daven uh, in the morning, as long as I start within that window, even if I have to extend it, I go beyond and I'm going to conclude after that window has closed, it would still be considered as though I davened in the proper window of time. As long as the Hadchala is Bizman, the beginning is in that window of time, we would consider the entire thing within the proper window. And who does he point to as a source for this Halakha? He points to none other than the Baalei Tosfot that we mentioned, uh, who point to Bilam. Just like, according to this one opinion, Bilam could start within that split second, that fraction of a second where Hashem got angry, and then he could extend it to go into a much more elaborate curse, so too, we should be able to start our Tfilot at the very end of the Again, you shouldn't do this on purpose, but if need be, if you needed to say right at the end of the Zman and you would conclude only after that window had closed, it would still count. That's how the Arach HaShulchan sees it. As far as actual Halachala Ma'aseh, whether we should rely on it or not, the Mishnah Bura says maybe we should follow the Magen Avraham. We should not rely on the Arach HaShulchan. However, you can look in the Minchat Yitzchak and he quotes many, many Hasidic uh, poskim, the Baal Shem Tov, the Avnei Nezer, who were Mekil. They were leaning. They said, if you need to, if you, right again, you shouldn't uh, set up a situation like this, but if need be, you would be able to rely on it. The Yidah Kadosh already, the holy Jew of Pshischa. So he wanted to be Melamed's Chud. He wanted to say that maybe the people who were lenient, they were being lenient based off of this opinion of the Bali Tilso, this understanding of the curses of Bilam. All this is very nice. All this is very interesting. But let's stop and ask ourselves a question. What is the Machloket here? What is fundamentally the argument? Is this just a tech- technical disagreement? Whether or not you could start within the window or you have to finish before uh, the window closes? Or is this something more fundamental? So last year we suggested that in fact it actually is very, very fundamental. And perhaps it's suggesting to us how we need to look at our time. And again, I would argue that all of the opinions really agree with one another. They just argue about uh, emphasis. They argue about application. So for example, the Magen Avraham, he argues that a person needs to start their tefillah. They have to start the davening within the window of time and make sure that they conclude it within the window of the time. You would not be able to extend the tefillah beyond the actual window. What is the Magen Avraham teaching us about time? He's teaching us, he's arguing about the importance of living in the moment. So 
often we look back on the past and the good old days and we miss out on the great things that are happening now. We're so worried about what happened in the past and how things used to be better. Or maybe, although I would say this is unique, some of us focus on how the past used to be worse. But we're constantly looking backwards that we're not paying attention to what's happening right now. And very often, we'll do the opposite. We're too busy looking forward to what's next. We're too busy preparing for the future that we also can't enjoy, we can't appreciate, we can't focus on what's happening now. The Magen Abraham is reminding us that now is now. When this is man, when now is over, it's over and there's nothing we we can do about it. You can't live too much in the past and you can't look forward too far into the future. And again, obviously, as Jewish people, we're certainly, certainly connected to the past and we're always preparing for the near and for the immediate future. But it shouldn't hamstring our growth. It shouldn't cause us to lose sight of the present. It shouldn't allow us to lose focus of what's going on right now. We have to have a, a sharp focus on dealing with the present. Magin Abraham says that that's the message over here. You start your tefillah now, it needs to be not only start now, but it needs to be finished now as well. Within the proper window of time, you cannot extend it. Don't worry about the past. Don't worry about the future. Focus right now, 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 now. The Aruch HaShulchan, however, and again, uh, I think he would agree with what the Magen Avraham's uh, understanding of time is that we need to focus on now, but he might be trying to emphasize a different quality of time. And he might be arguing that we have the ability to capitalize on certain times and bring them with us into the future. There are many meaningful times in our lives that should create memories that should be cherished for a long time. And there are times when we're inspired by something. We should feel that inspiration for a long time. The Aruch HaShulchan is trying to remind us that here and now can be the springboard to great things in the future. To some extent, I can extend this moment for a lifetime. If I have a meaningful experience, it shouldn't just inspire me now and immediately afterwards, but I should be able to call back on that experience. I should be able to take that with me, whether it's a moving tefillah, whether it's a, uh, a very inspiring uh, shiur, a very inspiring podcast, whether it's a family event, a milestone, whether it's good or whether it's bad, it should be something that I could take with me at all times. It's an experience that I could build on. It's an experience that I can rely on. And each and every one of us have the ability to take the present and bring it with us into the future. Again, we shouldn't lose focus on the present, but I should be able to take the meaningful experiences, the meaningful times of my life and bring them with me. So too, when I start my tefillah within that proper window of time, I should be able to extend it even beyond that. So like we said, I think uh, this approach, the Magen Avraham and the Arach HaShulchan and their arguments, I think they both would agree to our different understandings of time, but they would argue in the emphasis and the application. And this then is this important duality of Jewish time, not Jewish time the way people joke about it, about us always starting late, but our approach as Jewish people, as servants of God, and how we look at time. It's such a beautiful message for us that we always have to be able to live in the moment and to take it all in. And we have to be able to focus on a given moment without harping on what was in the past looking only toward what Hashem will, uh, you know, God willing, be giving to us in the future or preparing for whatever it is. Uh, Hopefully we'll all have long and meaningful lives, right? We have to look at the past. We have to look at the future, but we also have to have that sharp focus, that crystal clear focus and emphasis on what's happening right now. We should never lose sight of what's happening now. We should never miss out on what's happening now because we're too busy looking back. We're too busy looking forward. And at the same time, we we have to be able to take all of the experiences that we have, all the meaningful 
and the inspirational and those moving moments, those moving experiences that we have to help us in the future. We should be sure to look back fondly on time spent learning the Parsha, uh, learning with other people, davening, engaged in chesed, spending time with family, all the many different wonderful things that we should do. We should be able to take that with us throughout our lifetime. We have to take all the excitement and the inspiration of events and milestones so that we can tap into and we can harness them in the future forever. This then is the duality of Jewish time, making sure that we're constantly focused on what's happening right now and not losing sight of the past and the future, but at the same time recognizing that we have the ability to take something meaningful, to take something which is moving, to take the time that's happening right now and bring it with us in the future, to move us and to inspire us again and again and again. Shabbat Shalom.